Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. But guys, the reason that and it's really of great importance, and I know that many times I'm preaching or we're teaching to the ones that are here, and my heart is always, and, and I'm, I'm forever seemingly, I guess it's just the heart in me to evangelize, but my heart is always not just here, uh, but always on those seemingly who are not here. And uh, I am thankful uh, that we can have this open door to use as far as online and to reach people maybe that couldn't make it uh, tonight. But we're really at a crossroads, and we have been now for quite some time. What you all have seen unfold and what we are seeing unfold in our nation is everything that we've basically talked about for well into five years, maybe longer. And I think that we have to really stop and, and, and answer or try to answer some real questions. I am forever a spiritual optimist. I, I really am. There could be a lot of people that say that America is too far gone. There could be a lot of folks that say, is it worth it? Is it too late? Uh, should we even try? Well, my answer to that would be a resounding yes as always, because it's always my heart, man, that one more, reach one more. And with that, if that one heart that gets evangelized and that one heart that gets changed may be the one that reaches another thousand people that I may never or you may never have access to. So I'm just kind of laying out some groundwork tonight uh, to do that. But how many of you are thankful that the Lord saved your soul? Are you thankful? Now, I know that sounds... You say, Pastor, that's, that's really simple. I'm going to tell you this. If, if you really want to fend off the enemy, if you really want to give no place, and the Word of God does say that, give no place to the devil, you start focusing on gratitude, and you start thanking God at every turn and at every corner, and I'll tell you, hell will not want to hang out anymore in your mind because the more time that you spend praising God and thanking God, the enemy, man, I'm telling you, he just does not want to be around that for sure. So we're going to do that tonight. We're going to do it. Y'all stand with me if you would. You know, normally I don't, I don't do this, and, and you all know that I have a forever struggle uh, with social media. Uh, if it was just intended and to be used for all of the good that it can be and all of those things, I would be much more satisfied uh, for sure. But I vacillate back and forth continually with battling that. And I, I think I make that real before you all. But tonight I want to do this. If somebody's tuning in, I, I want to invite you to go ahead and share this uh, for that. I'm going to start with a piece of scripture. I'll be handing this off to Jake here in just a moment. But I want to share something with you uh, just a little bit. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 24. Let's do 24 through 27. If you'd like to, you can stand with me for the reading of the word tonight. Paul speaking, he says this. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you might obtain. And every man strives for the mastery, is temperate in all things. Now they that do it obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I. So fight I, not as one that beats the air. Hmm. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Y'all pray with me. Father, we love you tonight. So thankful for your goodness and grace in coming to you in the precious and once again, that powerful name of Jesus. 
that name that there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. And Father, you already know my intent, my heart is God to, to stir up this family of believers, to stir up this body. And Father, also, if there'd be one on the outside looking in, that Holy Ghost, you would draw them in. And that, God, if they're lost, that they would be saved. And, Father, they could come to know you in such a great way. And the only way to do that is through your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. Holy Ghost, we need you. We know that you're the great teacher. We know tonight that you're here to comfort and convict. And, Father, once again, we are praying that you take the coal off of the altar tonight, God. And what hits our lips, let it be complete unison with what hits our heart. So we love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory. It's in your name. Amen and amen. So you can be seated. Let me read this to you tonight. Let me read this to you. This is a quote. America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. What is considered or what most considered to be the greatest president that the United States has ever known, Mr. Abraham Lincoln. And I think today what you are seeing is, is the corruption that now is, it's so easy to see. And it's not that we haven't preached it. Well, we can see, somebody said, Pastor said, what do you think is the greatest sign of his, of his coming back that we know we, we really believe? How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming back? Can we get a witness in the house? Y'all believe that? See, I do. I believe he is. And I think that we can look at the signs. We always look to Jerusalem, of course, and see what's going on there, or to Israel uh, for sure. But it is encapsulated in, in chapter 24 of Matthew that when we look at the, all of the things that are coming and all of the outward signs. But today, probably the greatest to me is the great falling away. And that when I've said uh, so much lately that the passivity is leading us to apostasy. And that's what you're seeing nearly all around you. Uh, I could say that for sure, that I'm seeing that. So what's the prize tonight? And, and this is my heart as I lay this out just real quickly, is that we don't need to fight as one. When he says, so fight I, not as one that just beats the air. We're not scrimmaging anymore, guys. This is not a scrimmage anymore. We're at war. We're at war over the, and, and against the darkness of the enemy. And you're seeing it now infiltrated in the minds of so many around you. My prayer time today, I was reminded of this, that when we think of currency, we think of dollars, we think of pesos, we think of so many things. And I'm going to say this. You don't understand. You're, you're, the greatest currency right now that the world is after is not Bitcoin. It's not the dollar. It's not the euro. It's your mind. It is your mind. And this is what... Every bit of hell and every bit of culture right now is fighting for is for your mind. Because he that wins the mind wins the culture. He that wins the culture wins the world. Right now, you've got to understand. That's the reason that when the word of God says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, making himself of no reputation, but rather became the form of a servant. This is where we're at. And listen, there is complete vying for your mind. And not just yours, but for your child. I'm going to go ahead and say this. This comes through my prayer time. So how many of you have really, as parents, how many of you have really, it's on your heart to really keep your child from evil? How many of you would, would you, would, right? That should be our prayer, to keep them from evil. And our thought is this, is, is to keep them out of the world. And we say that, and we want to keep them from harm's way, and we want to keep them from danger. And so what we do is that many times we'll, we'll, we'll set up the curfews, we'll set up the, the guidelines, the boundaries, and all of these things, and we'll do all of that. And we're keeping them from the world in our mind. And yet they go to the room, and they take the world in there with them. And so the world is right there. They bring the world to them. They don't have to go out to the world. That phone that is in their hand, and you know it and I know it, can and, and is used as one of the greatest weapons against your mind. It can't be used for good. So we keep them from the world, and yet we invite the world in when we put into the hand of a 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old, whatever that is, and we invite them to that. Jake's going to speak to more of that in just a moment. So what am I talking about? How many of you beyond the shadow? And I know, man, I ask you all a lot of questions. 
And it's not that you're affirming me, but I want you to get a testimony that hell can't take. How many of you know tonight that you are saved beyond the shadow of a doubt and you have a testimony that the Lord Jesus Christ has done that in your life? Hang on to that. Hang on to that. Because the word of God says this, and I don't know that I've ever seen, I don't know that I've ever necessarily, I haven't seen the Red Sea part. I, I don't know that I've seen some of those miraculous things that happened in the Old Testament, but I have seen people receive their hearing. I've seen God heal in miraculous ways. I've seen a lot of things. And one of the issues that we have today is that we're not releasing the testimony. Judges 2, 8 says this, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance. In the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gath. You all know the story. This is in the book of Judges. And also that generation were gathered under their fathers. Joshua, the Joshua generation. Really it was just him and Caleb from the originals that had come out. Real quick, just the originals that had come out. The rest of them had died in the wilderness. But because Joshua and Caleb believed the Lord. And the word of God said that a right spirit was in Caleb. It was that new generation. The word of God says this. That generation were gathered under their fathers. They had died. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. That's Numbers 2, 8 through 10. Real quick. Why does it matter? How many of you believe right now that we are in a battle like we have never been in before? We've seen the slide. We've seen these things, and that's how the enemy does it. But we're in a battle. You say, Pastor, this has been going. I know. We've been preaching. We, you know, we, we try to do that. We try to keep it in front of us. But this is where we're at. When an opponent, another quote real quick, and I'm getting ready to hand it off to Jake. When an opponent declares, I will not come over to your side, I calmly say, your child belongs to us already. What are you? You will pass on. Your descendants, however, now stand in the new camp, and in a short time, they will know nothing else but this new community. Adolf Hitler said that. What you are witnessing before your eyes is a complete and utter defiance of Almighty God. And I will tell you this, that if it does not steer, it's my heart tonight, that it would steer all of our hearts, that once again, it would mean something to serve God. And to train up our children in the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Saying all of that, we're targeting these things, and we're going to be targeting these things coming in the next few weeks, several weeks. It's going to be our heart. That'll come. That'll come. But tonight, would you make Jake feel welcome tonight as he comes? Come on, Jake. All right. I'm thankful for this opportunity. And, uh, but if you uh, would, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I want to read that again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why don't you pray with me? God, tonight we're so thankful for you. And God, I'm thankful for, uh, God, just the, the passion that you've put in my heart, God, for uh, the, the next generation. And God, I pray that you would just help transfer in, uh, that passion, God, to each one of us. And God, that you would just give us the desire to live for you, but God, also to help mentor and train the others around us, God, just to be closer to you. God, I pray you give us open hearts and open minds. God, just use me tonight just to speak your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Todd Bullock, can you come up and uh, help me tonight? Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, uh, we have chapel uh, every Wednesday morning at uh, HCA. And I like, I like object lessons. I don't know about you all, but sometimes things stick mentally in my head a little more than they do uh, if I just speak them. And I, that's especially the way with the kids because 7.50 on a Wednesday morning, they're just like, what did you just read? Okay. So if I, if I have something visual, especially if it involves fire, they're all in. So Todd, can you come on up, please? Everyone give Todd a hand. So as you can see, Todd has a little miniature blowtorch lighter up here, simple meat thermometer, okay? And this is elementary, but just follow with me. Uh, this question 
up here is so important. Which one are you? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? And we'll get to that in just a minute. But as you can see, the thermometer, it's all the way up past 220, okay? And it started on what the temperature was in the room. I told the guys to set the temperature at about 68. So what happened? There was something that caused that thermometer to get hotter. And the thing about a thermometer is it adjusts its temperature by what surrounds it and its external surroundings, okay? So a thermostat is the opposite. A thermostat regulates and controls the temperature and the climate around it. And uh, I'll show you real quick. Uh, we have Wi-Fi thermostats. I'm thankful, man. It's just technology is awesome. But I can control the temperature of our house from my phone. That's amazing. Okay, but what that thermostat does is you set it to a certain temperature and it stays. It controls the surroundings. It has intentions to control its surroundings. And as we look at this verse, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, if, you, if you haven't really, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, maybe you've read John, maybe you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read Romans. Romans is great. Because Romans, uh, Paul does a great job of defining sin and then refining how we should think and then talks about so many things that will really help you build your relationship with him, with God. But what he says here, don't be conformed to this world. And what is happening, and I, I asked the kids today, do you look more like culture or do you look more like Christ? And I want you to really think about that and think about what the church does the church today look more like Christ or culture? And I, I read this quote, and I really liked it. Used to, culture was downstream from the church. But now the church is downstream from culture. And it's like everything just feeds into the church and now affects the church. The church has become a thermometer. It's become something that adjusts to its surroundings. Well, maybe we can say that that's okay. Maybe, maybe this is okay. You know what? The Bible was written a long time ago. Things have changed. I have to tell you, that's not true. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever hear that preached here. If you ever go anywhere and hear that preached, get out, okay? Because that's not the word. And that is so important because what we're trying to do or what the world is trying to do is soften this. And I shared this with Dad. And uh, For those of you that don't know, apologetics is... Uh, basically defined as giving a defense for uh, the hope that is within you. And uh, I'll read the scripture that most apologetics is based upon, and that's 1 Peter 3. Say that again, 1 Peter 3, verse 15. And that says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. And why is that important? That's important because today, I don't know if you guys, a lot of you have kids, okay, and teenagers that are growing up. One thing that you need to give them is a why, okay? That's very important. If you don't hear anything else, give them a why. What is the why based upon Scripture of why we live this way? And that is important because their minds, they're, they're fed information all the time. And I, I used to get so frustrated because dad would be like, because I said so. And there's certain times where you have to do that. But there's other times where, why do you believe this way? Why do we believe this way? And take them back to the word because this is what the word of God says. Okay? This is what it says and this is why we believe this way. Just as he said, that generation that knew not the Lord, those testimonies weren't passed on. Pass on those testimonies of where God has brought you from and that godly legacy, because that is so important. It was funny, me and dad actually drove past a place today that he shared one of those testimonies with me, and it stuck with me the rest of my life. Uh, and I'm 30 years old, I'm going to be 31. And so, are you a thermometer or a thermostat? And I want you to take ownership of that and think about that as you leave and as you're going to work tomorrow, and that conversation comes up, and they start talking about something crazy, and you're like, should I butt in? Should I, should I do? I mean, I don't know what to do. Pray for strength, number one. God, give me the strength to do what I know is right. Okay, in those situations, 
be someone, and I'm not saying overtake the conversation and slap people in the head with the Bible because that's not really what it's about. But it's about being that thermostat that has intentions that said, this is what I know is right, and I'm going to walk in this way and live in this way. And so if you would, turn with me to uh, 1 John 2.15. And 1 John is not uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's later. They're close to the back. In 1 John 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And that's important because we have to model this for our kids. And even if you don't have kids, we have to model this as Christians because do you look more like culture or do you look more like Christ? And that's convicting. And I use this analogy a lot with the kids. And I say, what if we told you to leave the room? If I told Stephen Smith to leave the room, and I said, get out of here, Stephen, and go in that back room where you can't hear anything. And I said, okay, I want everyone else in here to give me an honest opinion of what you think about Stephen. Okay? That would be kind of fun. We might have to do that. But what would people say about you? Would they be like, that guy's lousy? Or would they say, you know what, he's one of the best guys I know. There's something different about him. At the core of who he is, you can tell that he really tries to live for the Lord. I've sat in Stephen's office with him a few times, and we'll talk about the Lord just right there together in his office. He's not scared to talk about the Lord wherever he goes. Or would somebody say, you know what, I don't know if they're a Christian or not. I, I, re- I, I can't tell. You know, they say they are, but man, by their actions, I have no idea. And what has happened is that we become a thermometer where we adjust with our surroundings. And now our kids are confused because they see so many people saying that they're a Christian. But it's like, man, I don't know what they're, are they? And it's really hard. And I'm thankful for, I would call them pillars, I feel like, of people over my life that I could say, you know what? They were a mentor to me and they didn't even know it because they just lived for God and I could tell it. I could see it. And that inspired me. But are you someone that is confusing other people because you're looking more like the world than you are Christ? The worldview, it's how you see the world. And we'll start here. I'm uh, reading the New King James, so it'll be just a tad bit different. But therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What in the world does that mean? That means to roll up your sleeves. That's a slogan or that's a little thing that Paul said, listen, roll up your sleeves, okay? Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lust as in ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And so we, we go back to that first part in verse 13 where he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. And that's important because one of the things Dad and I have been talking about lately is he's saying, roll up your sleeves. And what we have to do is realize that there's work to do. Eric, you can go back to that slide if you don't care. One of the things that I think that has really hurt us is we get to this place and we just talk about how bad things are, but we don't want to do anything to change it. And it's really hard because we can look at things, and this is where it gets different. As a leader, I don't want someone just coming to me saying this is a problem. What's great is when someone says, what if we try this? What if we try that? I'm on board. Let's try this. It may not be the best solution that they had, but at least their wheels are turning, and they're not just taking a seat saying, gosh, everything's terrible. That what's this world is crazy. But we get to that place where we become active in our thought process and our worldview. And you hear this sometimes. And which lens are you using? And just a definition is a comprehensive conception or philosophy of the universe and of humanity's relationship to it. So that's the worldview. 
And when we look at worldview, what are you looking through? What lenses are you using? I don't know Stephanie's prescription on her glasses, but I would probably say that I couldn't just switch glasses with her. Okay? I know my mom, before she got her surgery, it was funny, she couldn't see the big E. She was legally blind without her glasses, right? And we would joke around, and those things, I kid you not, had to be that thick. It was crazy. They were like thick as a deck of cards. And we'd put them on and play like the blind man game, you know, like can't see anything. But the problem was if you kept them on too long, your eyes begin to hurt, and it caused some pain. And the same thing happens in our life because if we look through the wrong lens, it causes us pain, and we can't figure out where it's coming from. Because we get to that place and we're looking through the lens of the world and saying that we serve God. And we're like, what's not lining up? It's because the vision's not lining up. And Beth, I know you deal with that all the time at Abney, right? And that's the thing is we have to get to that place to where we're in line with God and we're looking through the word. Because if we get to that place where we're looking through the world to fix spiritual problems, it's not going to happen. And we know that, but how do we use that to help? We have to have a voice, and we have to begin to speak up and not expect the world to fix these things. We can't expect the world to fix our kids and to encourage our kids and help raise our kids up. And just like Dad said, one of the the toughest things, and this is tough, but what you don't realize is everything that your kids have access to on their phones. And not only that, and, but through everything. If they have a TV in their room, they're, whatever they're watching, that's going to form their worldview because what they see. And the world is very good at pushing its own agenda to soften their minds. I mean, watch any young cartoon right now, and it's already pushing political agendas. It's crazy. I even talked to uh, some who said it, it comes on ads on YouTube. If their kids are watching, it'll pull up different ads. And it goes to algorithms. And we hear that word, and that's basically what you like and what you watch. It promotes that. And then you get ads that go along with that. And what are they doing? It's trying to soften their mind and give them a worldview that is of the world and not through what God wants us to look at. And so when you get to this place, really, what are you looking through? And I know, like we say, I'm speaking to the choir tonight, but you have to help your kids look through the right lenses. Because what you you don't realize is that age, man, that they're at home, those 18 years, they fly by, okay, nine months seems like it's went by fast for us and this little one. And I know before long, I'm going to be like, how are you already driving and you can't already go to college. And that's crazy, but I want there to be an impact between now and then. I want to be able to say, you know what, let's look at it this way. What does the word say? Why do we do that, Dad? Well, let's look what God says. I know the world's doing it this way, but we can't conform to the world. We need to look more like Christ. And as he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And in that verse, and and dad has spoke on this before, but if you look at holy, it, it talks about the apartness, being set apart. And that's really what God is wanting from us, that we're apart from the world. Use an analogy up here today with Joel and a couple others, and I had Joel in the middle, and had God on the other side, and I was on this side, and I'd pull him this way, and he'd pull that way. And I said, how many of you feel pulled back and forth? Almost all the kids raised their hands. Why? Because they're trying to navigate this world. And if you leave it to the world for it to form their worldview, it will. And what you have to do is say, hey, let's look at this. Let them ask you questions. Be ready for tough questions. Ask them the tough questions. And those are things that we're going to talk about. But what you have to get to is realizing that you are the most important person in their life. Well, Jake, my kids don't like to talk to me. Yeah, they do. They want time with you whether you believe it or not. 
And sometimes I remember Miss Angie would tell me stories, and she would talk about talking to her boys sometimes. She'd say, they'd be mad, and I'd just get them in the car, and we'd go for a drive. Right, Miss Angie? And that's, you kind of get them locked in. I remember mom and dad would do that to us sometimes, and you get that one-on-one conversation. Finally, that ice breaks, and you begin to talk. But you're the most impactful person in their life. And what you say matters. And what you preach at home and you live at home matters. And you have to realize that. And we have to quit saying, oh, this generation, all these kids. Eric, if you can go to the next one, please. This is so important. We have to quit saying that. And I, I don't usually do this. It, I, don't, I don't know that I ever have. But this book I've got um, is called Screens and Teens. And it, it, it's really great. Okay, if you want to write that down, if you want to get a copy of it or something, uh, I can send you a link to get a copy of it. It's really good, and it's by this Christian uh, author. She has a Ph.D., and, man, she is just incredible at lining these things out. And, and I'll go over a couple here in just a minute. But we have to switch from can you believe this generation to how can I help? You know, one thing that I haven't heard a lot of, not, sorry, I'm, all, I'm bash you, I guess. Jake, how can I help this generation? What can I do? And the last thing that I would want you to think is I'm too old. They don't care what I think. Yeah, they do. They really do. They need your wisdom, okay? I know things were so different, but I loved hearing stories about how things used to be, and I still do. And so do these kids. And so what can you do? And this is where we have to get to this place to where we shift our focus of God, let me be active in pursuing you and help raise this next generation and not sit idle and quit pointing our finger and instead stand up and say, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to help, and I'm ready to get involved. In, uh, in this book, it, it's really good, and she goes over screens, and of course, and talks about how teens use them, and it, it's really crazy how you can see how from the generation to where it became TV after basically 13 or so channels, and then it went to 100, and now it's phones and tablets and everything. It talks about that. And what is great, Eric, if you can go to the next slide too, she goes over these different lies, and it's lies that uh, technology has taught our kids. And then it's also ways that we can combat that and ways that we can say, no, this is not the truth. And the lie number one that she goes over is I'm the center of my own universe. And I think I used to be saying, I haven't heard it a lot lately, but maybe mom or dad just told me when I was younger, the world doesn't revolve around you, right? And you've probably told your kids that, and maybe you've wanted to tell other people that, right? But this is one of the most important facts that we have to get is the world doesn't revolve around me. And you say, well, how does a screen do that? Ah, oh, it's dad calling me. I want to talk to dad. I want to, I want to listen to this song, that song. I have thousands of songs I can access on here at any time. I can text anyone I want. I can do whatever I want from this phone. So what does that do? It creates this lie inside of them that everything revolves around me, that I've got to have this. It's all about what I want and when I want it, and I want it now, okay? And there's a breaking cycle, isn't there, with all of us, that we realized whatever that day was, the world doesn't really revolve around me. And maybe that's the first time you've heard that tonight. It doesn't. So what is the truth? And this is what I really like about this book because, Eric, if you can go to number, this next slide, she goes to the truth. God is the center. And this is so important. And she backs it up with Scripture. And, of course, we know Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what we have to teach our kids. But not only teach them, we have to train them and we have to live that. We know the verse, train up a child in the way that they should go. But training is different than telling. If I'm going to train someone to play guitar, that's going to take a little while. It's funny because people are like, hey, man, I got a guitar. Can you teach me? It's going to take a little while. Get past the first month or two learning those chords and your fingers bleed a little bit. Let me know if you're still interested. And a lot of times they'll quit. But if you can get past those first couple months, and that's what training is all about. 
Training is getting down with someone. I, I don't know anything about concrete. If Dax was like, hey, man, can you come work concrete? I'd be like, dude, I'll do some manual labor, but I ain't going to be out there running the, the thing, you know, whatever that thing is. <laughs> that sweeper thing, that, you know, flattens it out. He's like, get out there. I would ruin it. He'd say, let me train you. That's what training is. That's what God is calling us to do. God is calling us to train and get in line and get in step and lock with them. Instead of, we do this, looking down. And I love, I love when people get down on their level. And then they begin to talk. And then they get to say, you know what? Let me show you how to do that. With the, kid, with the kids, they'll be like, Mr. Jake, will you tie my shoe? And I, I'm like, I can't tie it like that. I'll get down and tie it. And we'll go over that. But with your kids, they're looking for somebody to train them. We have to train them. And we can't be wishy-washy and try to conform to the world and the ways of the world and try to lead our homes at the same time. And we have to get to that place where we train them. If you can go to the next one, Eric. I like this picture a lot. I wish I could have got a picture of Dad doing that. Uh, I deserve to be happy all the time. And, and th this is such a lie that we've come to believe. And it's a harsh truth. And you may, you may be that generation who's like, I learned that when I was three and had to walk to school with no shoes on or something. But these kids haven't, okay? Man, they got like bamboo pillows and sheets and stuff, by, slippers by the time they're like five years old, they're living it up. You deliver them breakfast, lunch, and dinner to bed, okay? They, they call you into their room, and they're like, hey, will you bring me some pizza? And you go do it. You laugh, but there's, do it. And you turn into a waiter. And we're not teaching them how to be servants. That, that is hard, okay? Dad would be like, you got to be kidding me. You go come down and make you a sandwich and me a sandwich. <laughs> but th this is important because I deserve to be happy all the time. And this is a real push. Be happy. Do what makes you happy. No. There's nothing about that. I love that. And I, there's a couple of epistles that Paul has. Larry, you could probably name them. But he says, remember my chains. And as he's writing from prison, he says, remember my chains. And I, I love that because he's like, remember where I'm at. And Paul's like pumping out all this hope and love. I'd be like, man, I am sick of this. Y'all come break me out of this prison. But he knew some strong stuff that I may never get out of here, but it's been worth it. And what we have to teach our kids and ourselves is that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a happy time. Uh, Eric, if you can flip to that next one. This quote, happiness is externally influenced. It's not scripture. But joy is internally influenced. And th this goes back to the thermostat and the, and the temp uh, thermometer. Because if, you ha if you're a thermostat, you say, you know what? I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. That whatever comes, I know I'm going to be okay. I may have a bad day, but I still have joy. And happiness is something that's externally influenced. I will say this. It's okay to have a bad day, all right? It is. But don't let everybody dictate your happiness. Don't let the things around you just ruin your day all the time. And me and Christina talk about this sometimes, and we try to help each other with what are triggers in our life that will trigger that. And if you can remove those triggers... It really helps. What are you talking about? If you don't like so-and-so on Facebook, don't quit looking at their stuff, okay? If they get on your nerves, if, if something they do bugs you, don't get on there every morning and be like, oh, they did that again. Now my day's ruined, okay? And that, why is that important? Because you're allowing them to dictate your life. Your life is centered around them more than it is around God. You get in on that before you really get in the Word and let the Word soak into you and get into really who you are. And you're letting that ruin your day. 
If you haven't, if you're on social media, take a break from it, okay? You'll feel your mind begin to come back, I promise. Take a break. And it's crazy. You'll see, you'll be like, it's like people with, sorry if you smoke, but people, man, that like have to get their cigarettes in. They're like, oh my goodness, I got to And we're like that with our phones. And it's an addiction so strong. And, and uh, she, she talks about that in the book too, that there's such an addiction that we have to that that is, just goes beyond anything that should be healthy. And really get into the core of what it is. And it's because we are not happy in our minds with who we are. And we'll post selfies, we'll post pictures here, pictures there, and we compare ourselves with other people. Man, how'd they get to go there? They don't have any money. how they get to, they, I, like Dad always says, uh, women, so I'd I look better in that or I have that same dress. I don't think, we don't really do that. Like Stephen, I, don't, I couldn't say I look better in that shirt than Stephen would, but those are the things that really get us. But look at what is the core of that. It's more worldly things than it is godly things. And I love this. If you, we'll finish here. John chapter 15. And I want to talk about uh, 1 through 8 there real quick, though. This is an incredible chapter because Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And he's talking about abiding in him. And what we have to look at is who are we connected to? Are you really connected to him? Are we really connected to him or are we connected more to the world? Because what we're connected to will just influence us so much. And so we see there, verse 11, these things, or sorry, I'll go to nine. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. In this verse. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So these things that he's spoken is abide in him, be connected to him. Let him prune off the bad things in your life. And that's where we'll have joy because joy is not something external. It's internal. It's something that we have to have. And we have to teach our kids not to conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind daily. And it's got to be something that happens daily. Because we know there's things that come every day at us. Things that want to hit us every day. But really at the core of who you are, what do you look like? Just as I tell the kids, if you left the room, what would everyone say about you? Maybe everyone here would say something good, but what about your coworkers? What about your family? Well, they say, gosh, I didn't know that guy was really a Christian. Or they say, man, there's something different about them. They got the joy of the Lord in them. There's something that, and when I talk to them, I feel like there's just something different. And that's where we begin to see change. And that's what we have to be for our kids. We have to help them navigate this life. Dad, if you want to come on up. I've enjoyed uh, talking with Dad about these things, and it's funny because we're uh, different generations, and it's, it's been fun to toss things back and forth with each other. And I'll tell him, I, I was reading the other day about TikTok, and one of the things that I don't have TikTok and but it's causing our kids to have almost a three-second concentration and three seconds to turn you on and off. Why is that? Because they'll watch. They say the algorithms and things will show that they watch videos for about three seconds. If they don't like it, they scroll up and it goes to another one. And what does that mean? How many of you have been talking to your kid and you're like, they just give me three seconds and they shut me off. Do they have TikTok? Do they have something else? Because what it's doing is it's reprogramming their mind. And one of the hardest things, and as you've seen a lot of times with different medical treatments or things in the past, we see that we don't know the effects of them until later. And this is one of the things that we're seeing the effects of after. That our kids only have this three seconds where it's you get one, two, I don't care what you're saying anymore. And how detrimental can that really be 
to who we are. Are they all like that? No, I'm not saying that. It's just what the studies are showing right now. And when we get to this place, what do we miss? Conversation. The one-on-one. And I'm not here saying that HCA is the greatest. We have things that we struggle with just the same way. But the one thing that we do is take their phones when they come in and they get them at the end of the day. And if you come in and you look down that table at lunchtime, no one's looking down at their phone. They're talking. What are they talking about? A lot of times, I don't know. We can't keep up with it. Probably talking about us. Are they always talking about good things? I don't know. But they're talking. They're conversing. There's something there. And this is what is missing. And what we have to do is help preserve that. We can't just keep saying, oh, this generation, what are we going to do about it? How can we help? We can begin with these things. Now, this shouldn't take about 45 minutes. No, not at all. So I'm presented with and what Jake had said tonight is that, and many of you are, that, that you're confronted with issues, you're confronted with problems. I think that we've done a wonderful job of, of talking about that far more, maybe even than what is truly healthy to us. I want to present answers. That's our heart, okay? That's our heart. So I have an answer. Sell your phone. Let me show you where we're at, and, and, and really, give me, give me two minutes. You all know my two, maybe three, but anyway, just real quick. This is a thought that when you look at this, and, and now what you've got to understand, how many of you would be called a baby boomer, which is basically 66? How many of you are baby boomers? Go ahead and raise your hand. Well, you've lost your status when I tell you that. And then the next generation, as we look at that, we talk about the millennials. We, we talk about them. Well, in 2020, the millennials overtook the baby boomers as far as the population. Uh, of the 7.7 billion people that are on the planet. But since then, now Generation Z has overtaken them. You're saying, what is Generation Z? That's people 24 to zero. Now they are the largest group on this planet. They are the largest group on this planet. We've got work to do, so we're saying, how can we help? How can we help? When you begin to look at that, guys, we can, we can tell that when you, when you look at that age group, you're going to find that they're progressive, that group, that Generation Z. They're progressive, but they're not partisan. They don't even want to classify as Republican or Democrat. Uh, also, they're better at saving money than you are. The other thing that you're going to find out is they are very concerned about things even like inflation and things that when you say they don't even care, they really do. They really do. The thing that's missing in so many people's life is we've got to make Jesus matter. When I said it here, uh, it's been probably a month and a half ago. I want to bring God back to life. I want to bring God back to life. Amen, somebody? Yeah, we can give God some praise there if we need to, but we need to bring God back to life. And that's critical. That's critical. Scripture says this. Why does it matter? I'm closing. Matthew 18, 4 through 7. Whosoever... The word said, whosoever shall humble themselves as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We love that piece of scripture. And whoso shall receive one such and one of these children in my name, you receive me. And then he says this, but who shall offend? That word offend there means cause to stumble, entice to sin, lead astray, and all of those things. And there's a whole parcel of definition that is tied to the word offend. Who shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? It would be better for him that a millstone were hanging about his neck and he would drown in the depth of the sea. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. And the word says this, Woe unto the world because offenses will come. And it must be and it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to the man by whom the offense comes. You know what happened in Wisconsin? You've seen what the school board there in one particular district, their approval of what is being taught as far as concerning sex education to those children. 
and starting as early as kindergarten in the first grade to begin to present things and then by the third grade to present more things and by the time uh, they even reach before they re reach the middle school they've already got a whole lot more knowledge than maybe a lot of 40 year olds do it's the world creeping in bombarding its way in how many of you believe we're here to make a difference well, if you are, can I tell you something? Why don't we just give the Lord some praise and believe that tonight? You're here tonight to make a difference. Now, I'm going to say this. There's some things as, as there's too many options. I didn't give my kids options. There were certain things. I just there's too many options. You wanna go to you you wanna go to you wanna go to the lake or you wanna go to church? Well, duh, you gonna ask a ten year old that? Really? Really? Well, there's some things, and I, I say this a lot. I say this a lot, but there's some things that's not optional. We've got to raise up this generation in Jesus' name. I asked Jake if he would. I want to convey, I want him to convey his heart to us tonight before we gather in around this altar and pray. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for revival. And I'm talking about not here. I'm talking about in here, guys. It's a continual prayer. I got so tore up Sunday when I saw the Lord. I seen his train filling this temple. I know what I've seen. I know what I've seen. And there may be people that smack the hand away of God. They may smack and say, I, I ain't going to get on that train. You better. You better. I think tonight, my heart would just be going back to that first point. God, do I look more like you or do I look more like culture? And realizing that those around us depend on that. Most importantly, our kids depend on that. And secondly, really a call to action in yourself. God, give me the strength, give me the boldness, and give me the words to speak, not only to my kids, but to others, and give me opportunities to do that. Let me realize that there's a need for me to help these kids and to grow them. You know, every time, I guess nearly every time, there may be a soul here that's undone. I can't think of a better time to give your life to Jesus and right now right now I think we got some Christians that need to give their life to Jesus the Lord had to break the bread before he blessed the bread but when he blessed it and he looked up to the Father a multitude was fed it's a tough prayer but to say, Lord, break, break. We need revival. We need revival. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.